Good to see you. Amen. Everybody love the Lord. Say amen. amen. Hope you have your Bible tonight. Turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 37, and I'll introduce tonight and for, our, for the guys who are recording. Let me do a little preliminary, just kind of let you know where we're headed in, on Wednesday night in the next few weeks, because uh, we're going to finish well, I believe, uh, and then we're going to start strong. So uh, let me just kind of give you this next Wednesday night will be pretty much a standard format like, you, like we're having tonight. I'll be teaching the Word. The next Wednesday night will be the, I think, the Sunday after Christmas, correct? Or the Wednesday after Christmas. So we will not have service, okay? And that brings us to the end of the year. Am I right, Beverly? Kind of help me with that follow along. And so, uh, and so remember those, next Wednesday we'll be right here. The Wednesday after, uh, which is the 26th, we're going to take off, give you time to be with family and friends, however that works. And then January 2nd, everyone say January 2nd. It's the, I think it's the second, help me, I'm just going off the top of my head. It's the first service of 2013, it's a Wednesday night. And we've dedicated that night to family, 20, for, to begin 2013, we're calling it our family dedication service. And in that first Wednesday night of the month, and we're going to do our best to rally as many of the families of the church as we can together, <coughs> pardon me, and our whole focus that night will be dedicating our lives to God, dedicating our families to God in the new year, and really setting the course for our new year with a real dedication to Christ. Amen. So, so get that in your mind and just think that first Wednesday night of the month is going to be a great time uh, where we can just set the course. You know, at, how many of you ever made New Year's resolutions? You know, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to quit, you know, smoking, chewing, going with the girls that do and all those kind of things. I, you know, and as we learned last Sunday, they have no value against fleshly indulgence, uh, according to Colossians. You know, all those things we just say, we're going to do, we're going to walk, you know, we're going to, you know, we're going to get in shape, all those things. Well, I think uh, we can begin our year not with just one of those kind of mundane resolutions, but some real dedication to set the course of our family, set the course of our, our, <coughs> our personal life, our business, whatsoever. So we're going to be praying in that way. And you know what, we'll be praying for your family, praying for your businesses and trusting God for the new year. So everyone say family dedication service. So, hey, right now, uh, just plan on, hey, family, we'll be here, okay? Uh, it's the day after the New Year's Day, and we're going we're gonna to start strong. And then, everyone's saying then, we begin the next Wednesday night with our small group format. And I'm telling you, I'm pretty jazzed about our small group format. And here's how we'll do it. We'll be going through a video series uh, by Robert Morris, who pastors Gateway Church, called The God I Never Knew, How Real Friendship with the Holy Spirit Can Change Your Life. And so for eight weeks beginning, I'm telling you, we're setting the course. Everyone say we're setting the course. Because I'm telling you, in 2013, a real fresh new relationship with the Holy Spirit will make a huge difference in your life. And uh, hey, and as we're talking about tonight and on Sunday mornings, just position us in a place of great favor with God. So 
So we'll be going through this and kind of our format will be all of us go through it together and then we'll break up in some small groups and begin to process what we just heard and apply what we just heard and really set it in place and set it in play in our life. So it's just not, a, it's just not knowledge, head knowledge. We're really, hey, I pray that we all meet the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our families in the beginning of 2013 in a whole new way here on Wednesday night. And so you catch that and begin to think about people who you can, you can influence to be here. How many of you know some people who need a, a fresh uh, relationship with the Holy Spirit in their life? Amen. So, hey, uh, if your kids, hey, gosh, if you're teenagers, they'll be upstairs. But any parents, you know, uh, uh, college and career, hey, the God I never knew. Uh, a, a real fresh relationship with the Holy Spirit can change your life. So that's the focus. And so just real quickly, next Wednesday night we'll be here just studying the Word together. I'm kind of tempted to go over everything I've ever said in 2013 next Wednesday night. I, I, I'm going to look at that, a, year, a, rib, a, a glimpse, 2012. Uh, just everything I've said in 2013, or 2012, pardon me, uh, and just really give you a recap. I don't know if I can handle it. I don't know if you can handle it. But I'm thinking about it. So, uh, so next Wednesday night, then the, that next Wednesday, we'll, we'll not have church. And then we begin with our family dedication service. And then we'll jump into the God I never knew. And everybody said amen. So a lot of great things going on. Are you in Genesis? Did you go to Genesis 37? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you tonight for the word of God. We open our hearts to hear what you have to say. And we pray, Lord God, as we open our hearts to hear, that, Lord, you will speak to us tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So glad you're here tonight. In just a few moments, we're going to look uh, at the life of Joseph. Uh, but the theme that we've been talking about here on Sunday, on Sunday mornings is finding the Father's favor. And we've been looking at the heart of Mary. I hope you've been able to be here and, and, and tap into those messages because they're making a big difference in my life. If you remember Mary, she found favor with God. You see, favor is not random. There's some things we do and, and, and a life we live that will position us at a place for God to be able to lift us to another level of the favor of God. How many of you know we all are on, favored by God through his grace? Let's see, there's, there's added levels of God's favor that we, can, that we can come to in our life. And the angel said to Mary, uh, Mary, you're, you're favored, you're highly favored, way beyond any of the other women of the whole earth. And so, and so that's what we're talking about on Sunday morning. But hey, I want to I wanna look at the life of Joseph tonight, and I'm going to just take a glimpse at his life. And here's the format. We're going to walk through Joseph's life. Because Joseph lived a favored life, and God favored him. I really believe Joseph, in fact, we'll see some instances where he moved into an arena of somewhat like Mary, where he was highly favored. And so, so what we're going to do, I'm just going to take you through his life, and then we're going to glimpse into that, into that moment in his life and learn some, some, some lessons about the favor of God. For all of us. And if you're taking notes, boy, you better have a sharp pencil because I've got a lot of thoughts about that. But I really think some of them are just going to. How many of you ever, when you're hearing the Word of God, just one little aspect maybe of what the preacher says goes, cha ching? 
or, you know, it hits you, just one little fault. If you get one out of all of what I'm going to say tonight, that's awesome. But I believe you can. And, and so as you've opened your heart, let's jump in. Let's look at the life of Joseph. It begins in Genesis 37. And I'm going to read the, gosh, I'll try not to be too long tonight. But there are some passages of scripture I've got to read to kind of set the stage. And here we go. Now, Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was what? It says he was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpha and his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now, some people said Joseph was a tattletale. Uh, but how many of you know if something's going wrong, you appreciate somebody letting you know? I don't know what happened, uh, but it says this about Joseph and about his father. Now, Israel, which is Jacob, <coughs> pardon me, loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. How many of you heard that in Sunday school, the coat of many colors? And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more, all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now, I have to say, this is kind of a dysfunctional family here. How many of you know God uses people even though they're not all perfect? Look at your neighbor and say, boy, I'm glad of that. Amen. For your sake, brother. Amen. He does. He uses us and he used this family and he used Joseph. And it says in verse 5, now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. And you know the dream basically says this. I'll skip the two dreams. The, the dreams say that one day all of you are going to bow down to me. Okay, you get it? You get the context? Well, after they had the dream, he had two dreams. In verse 10 he said, so he told it to his father. Well, let me just say, they hated him even more in verse 8. They hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. So things are not going well with Joseph and his brothers. So Joseph told the dream to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And it says in verse 11, And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now, just this introduction of Joseph reveals, because as we know from the context of his life, that his dreams were dreams that God had given him. A dream of the future of his life. And this little glimpse of his future just had the thought that his family is going to one day come and bow before him and that he would rule over his family. His brothers didn't like it and his daddy didn't like it. But you know what God was beginning to prepare Joseph for? Favor. You know, Joseph lived a favored life as a young boy. His father favored him above his kids. Doesn't make it right. It's just how it was. And now God, for some reason, and I'm reading between the lines a little bit, but when you look at his father, his father walked with God. His father talked with God. God spoke to his father. So, you know, potentially and possibly, Joseph, because he was the youngest and all his brothers were older than him, that he was the, the son of his father in his older age, that per perhaps that little Joseph got to spend more time with dad than the rest and there was some level of spiritual impartation. I don't know. But somewhere in his journey, 
He got the favor of God on his life. Even as a young teenager, you began to see. And so, uh, so even from this illustration, let me get, hey, let's glean from this little glimpse. Let's think about favor just for a moment. From this, this introductory glimpse, uh, let's think about it. Because, you know, from his brother's perspective, what, hey, what did they think about him? He's arrogant. He's prideful. His big dream, but his brother said, hey, he's arrogant. They hated him. They envied him. His dad's perspective of the beginning of the favor of God on his life, he thought he was probably a little arrogant too, but he responded a little differently. Because even though he was a little angry with his son, uh, you know, his brothers, they hated him and they envied him. But it says in verse 11 that his dad, he pondered these things. He kept these things in his heart. In other words, even though it angered him a little bit, something about what his little boy said rang true deep in his heart. And if you remember Mary, remember Mary, what did she do when all this revelation began to come to pass in her life? It says, but she pondered these things in her heart. So we see a little parallel there with, with Jacob, with Joseph's dad, even though his perspective was kind of along with his brothers, but he had a little different slant. It didn't irritate him near like it did his brothers. And so that's how the favor of God began in his life. So let's learn a little bit. Hey, here we go. You know what the brothers didn't think? They didn't think it was fair. And here's what you, can, you and I can learn. Here's the little glimpse into the favor of God, even from this beginning uh, insight into Joseph's life. The favor of the father, sometimes it doesn't seem fair. Have you ever thought about that for a minute? You ever looked at somebody's life and it seems like they were born with a silver spoon in their mouth and you go, you beat the, you know, the bushes for everything you can get and you think, man, they didn't do it. And, and, and you're working so hard and it seems like everything just falls into place. It just seems like it's not fair. Hey, can I tell you something about the favor of God and about God? He can do whatever he wants. But our limited perspective, just like his brothers and even his dad, they looked at this favor and and. And from, from an external kind of natural mindset, sometimes we think, you know, favor doesn't always seem to be fair. You've got to understand that and, and realize that, hey, when God begins to favor somebody, uh, you don't know why he's favoring them. And so you, you've got to step back from that and maybe do a little bit what J uh, Joseph's dad did. Hey, I'm just going to ponder this a little bit. Another thought, God's favor, and this is the big picture of Joseph's life. The, the favor of God, it's never really about you. It's about others. When God begins to favor someone, it's not about, if he begins to favor you, it's not from a natural, you know, think of Joseph's dad. He just favored his son because he was the young one and he just loved him better. That's, that's a pretty, that's, a, that's just, just a little, that's not the heart of God. God, when he favors us, it's not just, be, just because he loves us so much because how many of you know he loves everybody the same? Right? God's not like Jacob. Jacob loved his youngest son more than he loved his, his brothers. It caused trouble, his other sons caused trouble in the house. But when God begins to favor, listen, it's not just about you because you're such, such a great or whoever, such wonderful people. It's because God has a plan. Everyone say, God has a plan. 
And so you need to, and, and what was the plan? I'm going to slip to the end just for a moment here. What was God's plan? It was a big redemptive plan that began years before. When, hey, how many of you know God knows the beginning and the ending? And he has a plan. And so favor doesn't always seem to be fair. Why? Because all we see is just the moment. We don't see the big picture. And so we've got to understand that. It has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with this plan. And then here's number three from this little glimpse I've given you. When God favors others around us, don't judge and reject. Rejoice. Don't fall into this little, this thing that the brothers fell into and even daddy fell into for a moment. Hey, when God begins to favor others, don't judge them, don't reject them, rejoice with them. Amen? Just a thought. Look at your neighbor and say, just a thought. Now let's step into his life a little more. Genesis, uh, Genesis 37, his brothers were so bothered by this. What did they do? What did they do? Well, they all gathered together and they said, let's just, let's just throw him in a pit. And tell, tell daddy the booger bears got him. And everybody said, amen. But Reuben, I think Reuben's the oldest. Reuben had a little more sense. He didn't follow into the plan, but he didn't want to buck the system. He said, no, uh, let's not, let's don't kill him. Let's just throw him in the pit. And his idea was, hey, I'll come back when they're gone and I'll deliver him out of it. But what happened? Here come the Midianites. I think it's the Midianites. Hey, somebody has a wise idea. Why don't we, hey, let's don't just kill him. Let's sell him. Let's profit from this rather than just kill him. Let's profit. So they sold him into slavery. Now, from you and I's perspective, it doesn't seem like the plan is working out for Joseph. How many of you know it doesn't always work out the way you plan? It's always how he plans. Okay, and so he was sold into slavery. And, and, and as we'll look in just a moment, Gen- and Genesis 39 was bought by Potiphar. We'll look at that in a moment. But hey, here's a little glimpse, just the thought about him being sold into slavery, the, the thought about his brothers hating him enough to kill him. Here's, some little, here's another little, uh, glean a little glimpse from this thought right here about the favor of God. God's favor will protect you through the problems but not from the problems. Think about it for a minute. Just because Joseph was favored didn't mean he was protected from problems. Hello. Some people tend to think, hey, when God begins to favor, you're insulated from any kind of issue in life. Not true. Everyone say, not true. Favor will protect you through the problems. What does Psalm 23 say? I'll be with you through the valley of the shadow of death. So just because you're walking in the favor of God (coughs) doesn't guarantee you're not going to go through some problems. In fact, understand this about problems. Many times, they're not evidence of the lack of the favor of God on your life. They may be evidence that God's working you into a place of greater favor. Come on now. So... Little, little glean a little favor glimpse. Favor will protect you through the problems, but not necessarily from the problems. And here's another one along those lines. God's favor doesn't guarantee an easy life. It may, in fact, require you to give more than you ever dreamed. You see, 
Joseph had this dream and you know what? He had this little simple glimpse, one little moment glimpse of his, his brothers and his dad bound before him, had the same dream twice. How many of you know if God had given him the big picture, he may have never followed through. Favor doesn't promise an easy life and Joseph did not have an easy life. In the beginning of the process, it was not easy. How many of you know the pit is not easy? How many of you know slavery is not easy? How many of you know all your brothers who want to kill you? Not easy. So favor doesn't promise an easy life. In fact, it may require more than you ever dreamed. Joseph never dreamed about all the problems. But you learn from his life and we learn from his life that because God favored him, it took him on a journey through the problems. Amen. And God's favor may lead you through that. Another thought about the favor of God that you and I need to embrace from the life of Joseph, God's pathway to prosperity and blessing is most of the time a painful one. We have this false understanding of moving to new levels of the favor of God. Many times it's painful. You know why it's painful? We have to deal with selfishness. We have to deal with our will. We have to deal with, you know, uh, the flesh. Uh, And you know what? I got a feeling God was proving Joseph a little bit through the process. Amen. And we'll learn in a little bit more why he would do such a thing. So, hey, just glean a little from this thought of being sold into slavery and from his brothers selling him into slavery. Favor Favor will protect you through the problems, but not from them. If you and I, if you ever think that God's going to protect you from problems, you got a misunderstanding of God. Let me just ask you as parents, can you protect your kid from problems? You can prepare him for them, right? But you can't protect them from them. Favor doesn't promise an easy life. In fact, it may require much more than you ever dreamed. You want to move to another level? Hey, you know what? Sometimes you got to give up to go up. The favored pathway to prosperity is many times painful. Jump to Genesis 39. He makes it to Potiphar's house. And I want to read the first five verses. We know what happens in Potiphar's house. He finds favor with Potiphar. Potiphar puts him over the, everything. And you know the story, what happens. Uh, he's, he's, by, by the way, the Bible says he's very handsome. And Potiphar's wife, who's used to having everything she wants, wants him. And here it is, Genesis 39, verse 1. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites, who had taken him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph. Everyone say, the Lord was with Joseph. Pause. Remember Mary? What did the angel tell Mary? He had an observation about her. The Lord is with you. Interesting little parallel there. And we see that the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. You see, success can happen on any level, anywhere, at any time. You can be successful where you're planted. Some people have a misunderstanding of success and it's somewhere else doing something different. How many of you know God wants you to be successful wherever you are? 
He wants to favor you that way. And that's the way it was with Joseph. He was a successful man and was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. That's amazing. And Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Stop right there. Remember the passage of scripture, uh, you found favor with God and man. Did you know you find favor with God? You're going to find favor with man. And if you're not finding favor with man, it may be because you need to move. We, I'll put me in there. We need to move to another level of favor with God. Because when we find favor with God, we'll find favor with man. That's why it was with Joseph. He served him. Then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had, he put under his authority. Now this is a slave, but he's finding favor. Verse 5, so it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. Wow. I'm wanting to comment there, but I will in a moment. Here we go. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Then he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Let's stop there. Let's glean another glimpse from these first five and six verses. Here it is. The priority of God's presence is always top priority. What do we note about these verses and how he moved in? He got into this, uh, he bought by Potiphar. What produced the favor of God with Potiphar? The presence of God. He saw that the Lord was with him. That's what the angel saw on Mary, the, pre the presence of God. Could I tell you today, we've got, if we want to move to another level, we've got to learn from Joseph, learn from Mary. Hey, we've got to carry him with us wherever we go. The presence of God in our life has to be top priority. Everyone say top priority. Could I say with most of us, that's not the case. It's just really not. But for some who move to new levels of favor with God, they make God's presence top priority in their life. Another little glimpse of the favor of God. God's favor can become tangibly evident to others. When you, hey, listen, did you know it's possible to walk with God and walk under the favor of God to the point that other people, unspiritual people, people out of sync and out of tune, they look and they see God on your life and his manifest presence in, your, in and through your life. The favor of God can become tangibly evident. That's what, that's what uh, Potiphar said. My goodness, he saw it. He saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. How many of you know that required somebody who was humble before God like we learned about? Hey, he was taking none of the credit. He was not whipping out his resume. It's just the Lord's presence in my life. The favor of God upon me. Amen. Favor can, be, can become tangibly evident in other people's lives. Here we go. This is a good one. Favor does not ex exempt servitude. It requires it. Favor does not exempt servitude. In other words, when God begins to favor you, uh, you're not exempt from serving anymore. Oh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm in charge now. No, what does it say about Joseph? He served him. 
In fact, that's the way to the favor of God. We learned that. In fact, what does it say? I think, oh gosh, one of the gospels, Mark chapter 10, it, it basically it says this, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, what do you do? How do you get there? By serving others. So favor doesn't exempt servitude. It requires it. Little thought, good thought, amen. Here's another one. Favor by its very nature has widespread impact. Now, I like this one. Because everything Joseph touched, because he was moving to in a new level of favor. How many of you know when, you, when you're sold as a slave and all of a sudden you're promoted to over everything in Potiphar's house, the favor of God's manifest in such a way, and it blessed, listen, it blessed Potiphar's house because of Joseph. When you move to another level of favor, the very nature of favor has ripple effect. Not just to you, but everything you touch, your businesses, your employers, your teachers, your family, every area of your life. Come on now. Now that's what I call influence. See, it's not about you, it's about others. Favor by its very nature, it's not just for you, it, it, just, it just spreads to others. You know, even on a very narrow perspective, uh, my influence in life and the favor of God that I've had with others in life, did you know how it, it has a positive effect? I use my son as an illustration. You know, he, had, he has great giftings and talents, but in his early years, you know, because of his father's influence and favor with others, Nathan found himself in front of, of uh, uh, profoundly influential musicians and, and, and people of influence in his life. Think, and he had favor that he would never have had had it not been for the ripple effect of the favor of God on his parents. And in a much bigger sense, we see this with Joseph. Man, even in slavery, it's just pouring out to every which way he goes. Man, I want some of that, amen? That's why if you went back, that's why we don't argue and complain, we rejoice. When you see the favor of God coming upon someone you know and someone you're, hey, I don't know if this is very biblical, but hey, rejoice with them, love them and support them. It's going to spill off on you. Amen. I love that. Joseph's life gives us all kinds of insight into the favor of God. But here he is doing it. The favor of God's happening. And his wife, or, or pardon me, uh, uh, Potiphar's wife, she starts tempting him. And she tries to seduce him. Over and over, she does. And he resists over and over to the point that she tried to grab him. You know the story. And he says this. Let me just, I, I want to read this part. Uh, but it happened uh, about this time, verse 11, when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house were inside, that she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. And so it was when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside, that she called to the men of her house and spoke to them and she accused him of attempted rape. 
And he had told her already. He said, I can't do this because I can't sin against God in verse 9. And so he was, uh, because he was accused of rape, Potiphar puts him in prison. Now he's in prison. He went from the pit to Potiphar's house, and now he's in prison. And guess what happened in prison? The favor of God came upon him. And even in prison, he was put over all the duties of the prison. And he found favor even in the prison. So here we go. Let's get some glimpses into the favor of God, even from this prison, from being falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. Uh, there's some, there's some uh, lessons we can learn about the favor of God. And here it is. Favor is not a license to fudge. You can't fudge because you have favor. Now, pause, look up at me for a minute. How many of you have seen that happen in, in leaders' lives? And people of influence lives, they, God favors them. I have some people in my, in my spiritual heritage, God favored them and honored them and, and put them in positions of great influence and authority and positions of great uh, spiritual impact in the world, in the earth. And that favor, they thought it gave them a license to fudge. And things that they would have never dreamed about doing, they did. Because they thought God had so favored them, they can do nothing wrong. That's not the case with Joseph. He said, hey, I can't do this. I can't sin this great sin. And, and what did he say in verse 9? I can't do this great wickedness and sin against God. Favor is not a license to fudge. But that happens a lot. Anybody ever seen it? People move to places of influence and all of a sudden they think they've got a license to fudge because God loves them more than everybody else. And he understands. Not true. Here's another one. Authority over all does not mean authority over all. Authority over everything does not mean authority over everything. What did Potiphar do with Joseph? He gave him authority over everything. But how many of you know authority over everything doesn't mean everything? Certainly doesn't mean Potiphar's wife. Kind of the same kind of thought. But you've got to understand that. There's always boundaries that we've got to place in our life. And Joseph, even though he had the favor of God on his life, he understood that everything does not mean everything. Did you know that New Testament, the Bible says, if you pray and ask in faith, uh, basically anything you, you want, you can have. You, you remember those kind of verses? How many of you know anything doesn't mean everything? It means anything that is designed to help you accomplish God's will because how many of you know that's not right? You can pray for a million dollars. That doesn't, that doesn't fly. You can pray for this or that. Hey, it, it, it doesn't fly. Everything doesn't mean everything. Anything doesn't mean everything. And when you have favor with God, it seems like there's unlimited favor in your life. There's still boundaries that you and I can't cross even though we've got the favor of God in our life. And some people, hey, they think favor is a license to go anywhere and do anything. Not true. Here we go. Let's look at another one. Favor's ultimate fruition always requires absolute integrity. If you and I are going to arrive at our intended ultimate 
destination. And what was Joseph's, uh, his limited understanding was one day, I'm going to be in a place of authority to the point that my father and all my older brothers are going to come bow down and serve and, and, and look to me as authority. He didn't know the full story. But understand something. To get there, integrity and trust have to be, you've got to be highly trusted. If you're going to be highly favored, you've got to be highly trusted. You've got to have integrity. <coughs> Everyone say integrity. And then number four, I think this is, is, is on here. Problems don't have to undermine the progress. Some people look at problems. Well, how many of you know the prison could be, uh, could be looked at as, oh man, I guess it's over now. But that's not the case. As we'll learn, <coughs> the prison was actually used to move Joseph closer to his destiny. In fact, when you, when, when you look, in fact, if you want to uh, move over to the, oh gosh, let me read this. Verse 20, this is in the prison, Genesis 39. We're just taking a glimpse of Joseph's life. And Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison and place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph, there you go again, and showed him mercy, there's favor. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. God gave Joseph favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And look what it says, and the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison, where they, whatever they did there, it was, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. That's awesome. So there he is in prison and the favor and the prosperity of God is going on in his life. How many of you know how long he stayed in prison? Anybody want to guess? How many of you, pick, pick a number, one to five years. How many of you think, how long do you stay in prison? Three, four, two, anybody else? Beverly, you're not going to pick a number? Two years, okay. <laughs> he was in prison two years. Two years. Man, two months, we'd be denying the Lord, wouldn't we? Some of us in two days would be about ready. Hey, he stayed there two years and, and never in those two years was his integrity and his trustworthiness undermined because of his problem. Problems don't have to undermine progress. Now, here's a glimpse into the prison. Genesis 39. Oh, really, gosh, Genesis 40 and 41. His life in the prison, it was about two years, a little over two years. And, and here's the story in prison. He's in prison. And, and what happens? The, I think it's the butler and the baker. They've got thrown into prison because of something they did. And in prison, they're having issues. And Joseph dreams a dream about the butler and the baker. And he dreams dreams, and basically the baker, the dream him of him was, well, and hey, in a few days you're going to lose your life, you're going to be hung. Uh, man, what a great interpretation of that dream. 
I bet the baker was all thrilled and got the warm fuzzies over that. But the butler, his hey, in three days, you're going to be restored to your position with the king. And just like the dreams that that they dreamed and Joseph interpreted the dreams, they came true. And in just a few days, the, the, but, the, the baker lost his life and the butler was restored to his position. But sadly, it says, but the butler forgot about Joseph. And so there he sat. And what happened? Pharaoh dreamed a dream. And he began to get all concerned about his dream. And it sparked the forgetful butler. And he said, I can't believe you forgot, by the way, but there's a kid in prison. There's a young man who, and he tells him the story. And he says, you bring him here to me. They got Joseph immediately out of prison. They cleaned him up, put new clothes on him. And he brings him before Pharaoh and he tells him the dream. And Joseph begins to interpret the dream. And it's about preparing for the seven years of famine and how to, and then he begins to give wisdom about how to deal with it. And all of a sudden, boom, he's back in favor with God and with man. And he's put in charge over all of Egypt. What a story. What are we going to learn from this little glimpse? Let's learn some more thoughts about the favor of God. Here we go. He's in prison. What are we going to learn from it? Favor has a set time. It may not be time right now, but it has a set time. Psalm 103, I think it says, the set time to favor her, there is a set time. Hey, it may not be your set time, but just because it's not your set time doesn't mean there's not gonna be a set time. I got a feeling that all this prison stuff and everything was God's timing. He's putting it all together and there's a set time. And let me, I've thrown this out before. Understand something about you and about God's plan for your life. When it seems like nothing's going on, something's going on. When you seem to be stuck somewhere, maybe not in a prison, but in some mundane moment where it just seems like everybody's forgotten you, God's forgotten you, you're going to rot away in this little spot when nothing seems to be going on, something's going on. And there's a set time. Look at your neighbor and say, there's a set time. There's a set time. Here's another thought about this thought of of, uh, Joseph's prison life. I like this. The grace that began the process is the grace that will continue through the process. What was the grace on Joseph's life in his 17-year-old state of mind? He was a dreamer of dreams. That was a grace upon his life. That was the favor of God upon his life. He was a dreamer of dreams and now he found himself in prison and the same grace that got him started on his journey is the same grace that got him through the problems and through the process, interpreting the dreams of the butler and the baker and always throw in the candlestick maker even though he wasn't there uh, or the butcher is the butler and the baker. Uh, But hey, that grace upon your life, however God graced you in the early days, that's the grace that will take you through the process. And so you embrace the grace. Everyone say embrace the grace. Whatever grace is on your life, you embrace it because that same grace, that same favor that got you to level one will get you through the process to the plan of God for your life. So you've got to embrace the grace. Here's another thought. 
favor can bring you out of a hole in a hurry. He's sitting there in prison, forgotten. And when nothing was going on, something was going on. And the verse, one of the verses says, when the, when the butler told him about Joseph, I think it's verse, hmm, it says, yeah, in verse 14, then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon. Somebody say quickly. Oh, there's places I'd like to go here, but I'll, I'll finish up. Listen, just because you don't see it now does not mean it's not, you're not gonna see it tomorrow. Just because it seems like nothing's going on Favor, if you'll maintain the grace, if you'll embrace the grace, it can bring you out of a hole in a hurry. Look at these verses. Look what it said. Oh gosh, uh, verse 37. Look down in verse 37 of chapter uh, uh, 41. It says, so the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. He's talking about the advice that Joseph gave him about the famine it was good in his eyes and all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the spirit of God? What did Pharaoh see in Joseph? The presence of God. There it is again, everywhere you turn. It's not just in here. It's what's in here. It's not how you smile and dress for success. It's how you dress your life with the presence of God in your life. He said, Pharaoh, in fact, I can just see Pharaoh going, can you believe it? We found this guy who's got the spirit of God on him. It's amazing. And it says, <coughs> pardon me. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you, and you shall be over my house and over all my people shall be ruled according to your word, only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Everybody say you can come out of a hole in a hurry. Tell somebody you can come out of a hole in a hurry. Woo, you see, Daniel, you, we work hard, we're faithful, we can do it all, and we should be, we serve and do all this. But let me tell you something, when God says favor you, boom, he can favor you. You can't press your way into the favor of God. You can't, you can't press your way in, you can't manipulate God into favoring you in some way that he's not ready to favor you. But if we position ourselves rightly, God can lift us up and we can come out of a hole in a hurry. Amen? Now, jump to the end of Genesis. I love this. What happens in verse 15? It had all transpired. The famine had come. Joseph's family had been spared famine by the favor of Joseph, who was second in command in Egypt. Their needs were met. I don't have time to tell the whole story. Now Joseph's daddy had died. 
Verse 15, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph saying, before your father died, he commanded. It's funny. They sent messengers. They were a little nervous. They sent a runner. They said, before your father died, he commanded them saying, this is what our daddy told us to do. And, and, and the messenger uh, said, hey, the brother, your brothers told, came to tell me this is what daddy told them to do. Then you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now, please forgive the trespass of the servants of God, of your father. Uh, and Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then the brothers now that they sent the runner in and they saw that his heart was softened, the brothers also went and fell down before his face. And they said, uh-oh, here it is, the fruition of the dream. Behold, we are your servants. There it happened. And Joseph said to them, do not be afraid for I am in the place of God, or am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. And now therefore do not be afraid. I will provide for you and for your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Let's glean from this little story of the end of this story with the fruition of the original dream. And, and it's kind of back to the beginning. Favor always has others in mind. See, when God was putting this plan together, he wasn't thinking about Joseph. He was thinking about his whole family. And not only about his whole family, but future generations. Favor always has others in mind. Here's another thought. Favor sees the bigger picture and holds no grudges. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. What a man of God Joseph was. He saw the bigger picture that in some strange way, God used his brother's anger and misunderstanding of the favor of God on his life for his good to get him where he needed to be. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Favor sees the bigger picture. There's a bigger picture. You see, the brothers didn't see the bigger picture. They didn't see it until that day. Their eyes were open. Wow. Look what God was up to. And we were trying to undermine the process. Here's another thought. Favor always has a much bigger plan. Did you know Joseph didn't even know the bigger plan? What was the bigger plan? Not just to save his brothers. But if you go to Matthew chapter 1, and you start reading down that boring lineage of Jesus, you know who you find right there? Another Joseph. 
who's the husband of Mary. You see, God's bigger plan for the favor of God, it's bigger than you and I can comprehend. It's not just about our moment. And think about this in your life. If God favors you and you position yourself to a place where God can favor you, his plan is not just for your moment or even for your family's moment. It's for future generations. Amen? It's bigger. Hey, when Joseph laid down one night as a 17-year-old boy, and he started having dreams. God had on his mind that first Christmas morning. God was thinking about Christmas when he started speaking to Joseph. And what's Christmas all about? It's the introduction of God's redemptive plan to save the whole world from their sin. That's a bigger plan. You see, when God begins to favor us, we're kind of, you know, Joseph, his only little insight in the beginning just had a little glimpse. He didn't see the bigger plan. But God has a bigger plan. God was thinking about that first Christmas morning all along. I love that. He was thinking about Joseph and Mary and Jesus and about the whole world. You know what? When, he, when Joseph dreamed these great audacious, seemed like out-of-the-box, unattainable dreams... He was thinking about you because you're part of the bigger plan. Amen. You see, God wants to favor us. Let's stand together. He wants to lift us to another level. If we can learn from Mary and learn from Joseph and others, you know, the thing about Joseph, and let me just say, you never, now, Joseph was human, but he never, there's no record of him undermining the process. He maintained his integrity all the way through to the end. When he looked at his brothers with tears running down his cheeks and said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. I believe in this room of 20, 30 people, there's some in our midst who would say, I want to be kind of person that God can trust with new levels of favor.
I want to be the kind of person that influences future generations because of how I live my life in this life. Father, tonight, we thank you for the Bible. We thank you for the life of Joseph and how his life can inspire us, challenge us, correct us, equip us, enable us to make right choices even when it seems like nothing's going on or even when it seems like things are going backwards. Lord, we want to hold course and not throw in the towel and undermine your process. Bless us today as we endeavor to be a blessing to you and to serve you and to serve others and to fulfill your plan for our life. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we close out this midweek service, let me declare God has a plan for your life. And as Jeremiah said, it's a future, to give you a future and a hope, to bless you and to use you and to favor you in greater levels than you and I have ever experienced before. Lord, let us live the kind of life that would cause us to find favor with God and man. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.